Hi, I'm Kaylee Moore. And I'm Emma Samasco. Welcome to Freelance Writing Coach, your go-to podcast for building a freelance writing business. In each 20-minute episode, we'll do a deep dive into one area of business with the hope that our insights as successful freelance writers will educate and inspire you. This season of Freelance Writing Coach is sponsored by Harlow. Harlow's all-in-one freelancing software helps you manage and organize your day-to-day operations, get a full view of your clients, and get paid for the work you do, all from one intuitive dashboard. Founded by two former freelancers who know the ups and downs firsthand, Harlow is about more than just software. They're passionate about creating a supportive community for freelancers to grow and thrive. Harlow's launching soon, and if you sign up for the newsletter today, you'll get an access to a free month once the product goes live. Go to meetharlow.com slash subscribe to sign up now. That's M-E-E-T-H-A-R-L-O-W dot com slash subscribe. On this episode, we're going to talk about negotiation. So when, as a freelance writer, should you be willing to negotiate with your clients on what you're charging and what you're willing to do? And when should you sort of put your foot down and say like, nope, I'm not doing that. Some people say they never negotiate. A lot of us do negotiate, but depending on different circumstances. And, you know, Kaylee, I'm curious from you, um, how do you think about negotiation? Is it something that you're willing to do in your business? So for the most part, I try to be pretty firm on my pricing. And the reason for that is I feel like my prices are set at the point that I think is the easiest to scope for the projects that I do. It aligns with my expertise and years of experience doing this work. And it gives me the, I don't know, the like financial consistency to to have a sustainable business long-term and to grow it as well because I'm constantly rising the rates like as demand goes up and things like that. So there's lots of factors that go into pricing. I will say that I am like you, like I, if there's somebody who comes back and it's a project that I really want to work on or a client that I'm really excited about, I will have a little bit of wiggle room in there sometimes where we can come to some sort of a compromise on either the scope of the project or the budget for the project. But for the most part, I would say 90% of the projects I do, the conversation begins in the inbox where I'll say, here are my rates. Here's why they are what they are. This is my process. If this doesn't work for you, I can refer you to somebody else. And so I just kind of try to stay within the range that I like to be in. And then if, if somebody comes back and says, no, this isn't a good fit for our budget, then I'm happy to refer them to somebody who's maybe a little bit more junior or a little bit less busy than me, whatever it might be. I just have found that like eight years in, I am busy enough to where I, I don't have to be as flexible as I once was, where I maybe needed the jobs a little bit more or was like more hungry to get my schedule full. Now I'm to the point where there's enough demand. I don't have to be quite so flexible. So I'm curious for you, where are you at with this? Well, I, yeah. So I'll talk. One thing that you said that just really struck me was that like, you're like, well, I don't really need to be that flexible. And I just thought to myself, like, yeah, me neither. But yet at one time I did need to be more flexible in order to just sort of get the work and get the experience. So I think that how much you're willing to negotiate depends a little bit on 
you know, where you are in business. And, and, you know, the way that I think about negotiating today, because I still am willing to negotiate on things, it's sort of like a question of why does the client want to negotiate? And then why am I willing to negotiate? So for example, like, why does the client want to negotiate? Do they want to negotiate because they're a super small business and they just like don't have the revenue or capital to invest in this and they really want to work with you, but they just don't have it? Or are they someone who's just like interested in nickel and diming no matter what? Because I've definitely run into those people. So it's kind of like, well, why are they negotiating Um, Some people believe that you should negotiate over everything, but I think like just exploring a little bit about like why they need to have you come down a little bit on prices is important. And then I think about like, well, what's in it for you? You know, the, the times now that I'm willing to negotiate are when I'm doing a project that maybe I don't have a lot of experience in and to, in order to get that experience, I'm willing to negotiate on rates a little bit um, just to get in the door but I like one thing that that strikes me is that a lot of times when I've negotiated in the past, I've wound up regretting it and becoming mm-hmm. resentful because I feel like, like first of all, maybe the fact that the client wanted me to negotiate so much was like a little bit of a red flag for like how they work and how much they're sort of like trying to milk me for, I guess. And then the other aspect is like, as I'm doing the work, I'm like, oh my God, I'm like not getting paid enough for like all of that I'm having to put into this. So I think that that's like part of it is like, are you negotiating like a hundred bucks off, you know, like a really, really big project and it doesn't matter that much? Or are you taking thousands of dollars off to like get a big name in through the door and you're working on it for months and months and you really suffer because of that? So like, I think when you're negotiating, you really have to think about like, well, what's in it for me, me to do this, right? Like, do I really need this client? Am I like, you kind of want to look at yourself three months in the future and say like, am I going to be glad that I negotiated? Yeah. I think that oftentimes negotiation can lead to like the scope creep project or the problem that we talked about. And I think you have to be mindful of the fact, like you said, if somebody is saying, well, you know, we'd like to pay you a little bit less because of X, Y, and Z, or maybe we can adjust the project scope. I think the thing to be mindful with that is that's that conversation needs to be documented. The scope of work needs to be documented because what you could find is that you get into the project and then they start trying to push those boundaries a little bit. And they're like, well, could you just maybe add this or like do an extra round of edits? Or can you get on this phone call? We're going to have a couple of meetings this week. You know, it can spiral pretty quickly. And so you need something you can point back to and say, well, here's what we agreed to. I can do those things for you, but it's going to cost X additional fee, whatever it might be. So you got to have some footing. There's got to be some documentation for sure. Yeah, there definitely needs to be documentation. And again, that scope creep thing, I think that's sort of why it's good to think about like, well, why is the client negotiating, right? Like, are is it because they're trying to just get as much as they possibly can out of you? And if that's the case, then it doesn't necessarily mean you shouldn't work with them, but it does mean that you should be like really careful about how you document. It brings up another thing, which is that like negotiation isn't something that you have to do just based on price. So like sometimes I have a client come to me and they're like, look, we can't afford to pay whatever rate for this project. And instead of saying like, okay, well, goodbye, or okay, I'll chop off $500. I might say like, okay, well, what can you 
afford? Like, what what is your budget for this? Usually I know that in, in advance of even doing the proposal, but like, you know, what would you be comfortable with? And then taking whatever number they give me and saying like, okay, well, I can do it for that number, but it needs to, it's going to lose these components, right? Mm-hmm. That's not always easy to do with something like, I don't know, like if somebody's hiring you to write like a long form article, like, there's not, what I'm offering is like a pretty lean offering in the sense that it's like, what am I going to do? Not offer any revisions. Like that just seems like not a good value to not offer. I mean, I could do something like that. Right. But I, some things are easier to kind of, uh, take off some of the scope than other things, I think. Yeah. And I always try to remind people, like if you had somebody who steam cleans carpets, like that's their service offering and they come to your house and they tell you to do three rooms, it's going to be a thousand dollars. And you're like, well, I only have 500. They're going to be like, they're going to come back and say, okay, well, we'll do this room and that rug. You know, they're going to adjust the offering accordingly. You're you're not going to like have them do the three rooms and be like, oops, sorry, I can only give you X amount. That's just not how those things work. So you have to look at your freelancing business the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so this is like another thing I was thinking about with negotiating and rates and all that, which is like about sort of discounting and where that fits into it. So Mm. like sometimes I won't have someone say, Hey, I want you to charge less. This, I, I can only pay this for that. Sometimes it's more like, okay, well, if I buy three of these from you or five of these from you, can I get some kind of discount? And I've heard like varying approaches to this from different freelancers. Some freelancers are like, okay, like I'm never, I I never do any bulk discounting like that. Some are willing to wiggle. Like I'm willing to wiggle a little bit because I think that it's worth booking a lot of work. So like, it's better for me to book three case studies than one, not just because it's like financially better to have three, even though like it is, but also because like once I've gotten to know the company for the first one, then the next two are like not as difficult as a lift and I'm able to provide like more value to the company. So like I often have companies come to me for case studies and they're like, oh, well, if we do more with you, can we get, is there any like bulk pricing discount? And I grant that, but it's not that much. It's maybe like 25 or $50 off per case study, which is like worth it for me actually, in order to book the whole package. Mm -hmm. So, but that's something that some freelancers like totally refuse to do. I'm curious what you've heard about that and maybe where you stand on it. Yeah. So if somebody comes back to me, especially if they're a startup or an early stage company and they're like, Hey, you know, we love your work. We want to work with you on a regular basis. And they ask the question, is there any sort of like bulk pricing discount you can offer for guaranteed volume, I'll say, yeah, sure. I usually I'm like 15 to 20% off if you do three posts per month at like, and here's my monthly minimum. And they're like, okay, great. Cause they, then they feel like they're getting a little bit more of a price break. They feel like they're getting um, a little bit more value. And I think it's also, it just shows that you're like willing to collaborate. You're willing to be a little bit flexible with them. I think that it's important to do a test run first at your full price point yeah, and I make sure that, that it's a good fit on both sides before you commit to something like that. Because I have heard stories of people agreeing to like a bulk discount for like a package of six posts or something like that right off the bat. And then they get into it and it's a nightmare client or right. they are like super pushing the boundaries yeah. of the scope that was agreed to. So I think that that's best to do after you have an established like baseline to work from. 
Yeah, or even if the amount is not that high, like three is a lot different than six, right? right? Or like two is a lot different than 10. And I do know people that sort of sell those packages within scope and everything works really well. It's just like maybe not one where you really want to be do like giving up a lot for, I think. Yeah. And those those clients you want to choose super carefully. It's making me think about like other things clients ask for and how to approach charging because I don't know. It's like negotiation and rates are like very closely connected, but it also makes me think about like rush fees Mm. and the fact that like, okay, somebody comes to you today and they're like, oh my gosh, we just launched this product and we realized that we need an article about it. Can you write it? We need it by Wednesday and it's Monday. And you're like, okay, that's like, I have a lot of work going on. Like, I'm not sure I can get that done. And to sort of negotiate through that, you can offer, you could say like, yes, I can do it, but I offer a 25% rush fee for any project that is due within seven days or whatever that is. I know that's not exactly negotiation, but I think part of like what negotiation is big picture is like figuring out how to work together in a mutually collaborative way that benefits both parties, right? Like that's what the negotiation is all about. Like, it's not just about like some client being like, do this for less or do this right now. It's about figuring out like how both parties are going to feel good about what they're getting, I think. Yeah. And that's exactly why I have a rates page. It's hidden on my website, but it's there. It's something I reference in that onboarding email where I lay out my process, my rates, all that stuff. It's, it's more detail on like rush fees. And like, if you need, if you need it right away, you can jump the line essentially, but it's going to cost, like you said, 25% more on the project total. Or if you want me to have a ghostwritten piece where I'm not going to build any authority or I'm not going to have a byline, it's not going to be associated with me anyway. I can do that. That's fine. But there is a higher price point for that because I'm not getting any of those extra value adds on my end. Like this is, this is an added value that I'm providing to you. So I think that it's, it's good to have those rules in place or, you know, even just having them as a point of reference. If, if there are people who are considering different options, like, okay, I can do these things, but here's what it's going to cost. Yeah, totally. When you think about negotiation just as a thing, because I'm just thinking about a little bit bigger picture now, like, do you think in other areas of your life that you're a good negotiator? Like if you are buying a house or like buying, I'm trying to think of things you negotiate for. Like in, in many other countries in the world, you would go to a market and you would negotiate on every good. In the United States, maybe you're sort of negotiating on like a business deal or uh, a, something to do with it, with buying a home or buying a car, like these kind of big purchases. How good do you think you are at those? <laughs> I'm so bad. I'm so bad at these things for a couple of reasons. Number one, I find it like very stressful. I'm like very anti-conflict. So that type of situation is just like, I'd rather just pay what they want me to pay and be done with it and just not have to have the back and forth. That's, uh, which that's is, how I am too. Yeah. Right with it. And so that's terrible. Like I'm probably overpaying for big ticket items, but I feel like it's a little bit different in the environment of the freelance business because a lot of it is like over email. And so having mm-hmm. the, a little bit of a, a barrier there makes it easier. It makes me feel 
more confident. You know, it's not a face-to-face negotiation most of the time. There's no paper sliding over the desk where you're like, here's my total. It's it's so much more removed in the virtual environment. So I think that that's a that's a pro for for those of us who work in this like remote work context. That's interesting about like the email thing. Yeah. I think for I think for me the difference is that you're in the driver's seat, like as the seller, mm-hmm. and it's situated in a way that you're not with like a house or a car or some other big purchase. Like in those situations, I'm the buyer. And then in the, but in the thing of freelancing, I'm the seller and I feel like I can decide as the seller, like, this isn't like a purchase that is negotiating. Like, this is not the kind, like, cause like, if you go to the gap, you're not like going up to the the counter and being like, oh, I'd actually like the shirt for $7. Will you take it for seven? <laughs> right? Like you're not saying that. So I think, I think, the, and that's because the gap is kind of established, like that, that that's not a place or maybe society has established like, oh, in those environments, like we don't do that. And I think when you're the seller, you can say like, I don't do that. Uh, additionally, like email makes it a little bit easier. It does make me think about like what happens when I hire subcontractors and like the approach that I take to figuring out what to charge them or sorry, what to pay them if I'm hiring them. So usually I ask them like, Hey, what would you charge for this? And if the number is way lower than I was expecting, I'm usually like, okay, we can work together. I'm going to pay you this, which is sort of the set rate in my head because I think they deserve it. Mm -hmm. And if it's too high, I'm usually honest about that. And I say like, okay, well, my budget to do this is X, do you want to do it or not? And they say, sometimes they'll, they'll like want to meet in the middle or sometimes they'll say yes. And then like conversation over, like, I'm not interested in going back and forth more than like, you know, once really to right. try and determine the rate. Like, I think some of that might be being conflict averse, but I also think it's just like not really worth it. Like if they want $50 more for something and I'm, and I mean, I, I guess I'm throwing around numbers, but I'm saying like, if they want a really small percentage more then like, it doesn't matter. So I don't know. Those are just some like more thoughts about thinking about like negotiation. Yeah. I'm also terrible about it when it comes to like, buying cars or something. Cause I'm just like, I don't, I, one issue that I have is putting all my cards on the table. It's not that I'm like conflict averse. I'm just the type of person who like, if you're a really good negotiator, you often like don't show people that you really want the thing. And you sort of present like a, even an alternative option. So instead of being like, you know, you're at the Mazda dealership and they're like talking to you about that. You're sort of like, okay, well, you like turn to your spouse and you're like, okay, well, like, you know, at the Toyota dealership, I think we could get a better deal. So like, maybe we should go with that car, right? Like you Mm -hmm. have to be willing to walk away in the negotiation to get kind of the price you want. Yeah, I'm so bad at that because I'm like, well, I really want the box. I really want this car. Like, uh," right. Like I, I'm just like, put it all on the table. Like, well, this is what I want. Like, I just, what's it cost? Like, I'll just throw money at you. You know, terrible. (laughs) and I I think though like in those transactions like when they expect you to negotiate yeah it's probably better and in our best interest to save some money by being a better negotiator but like if I'm hiring a subcontractor or someone to do design work for me like I trust that they're setting the rates at what they are and if it's in if it is 
valuable to me at whatever rate they're charging, I'm not interested in arguing with it at all. And I think that's where most of my clients come down. Like they're like, okay, well, I see the value in this. We have the budget for it. I'm not interested in arguing it it at all. And when conflict comes up is when they're like, oh, I'm not sure about the value or I don't have the budget for this. And then how do we sort of meet, right? Yeah. I think the other thing to think about this is sometimes the negotiation happens on the back end of a project. So for example, maybe you get into a project and it's been a really long drawn out process for whatever the product is and they end up needing like tweaks or they come back and they've had a bunch of people from the internal team review it a few times and now they need a few more iterations from you. I think it's okay in those situations, especially if it's pretty beyond the scope that you originally agreed to, to be like, hey, I'm happy to do this for you. It is outside the scope that we agreed to. So I'm going to need to send an additional invoice for X amount of dollars to, to finish this up and to wrap things up. And I just did that recently because the project was done. It had been done in my mind for like two months. And then I didn't realize that they were still doing internal like conversations, team meetings about it. And they came back, they needed like probably like 45 minutes to an hour worth of me hopping back in and like rephrasing things, tweaking things. And I was like, yeah, I'm happy to do that. It is going to have an additional fee with it. I just wanted to tell you up front. So it's not surprising to you when the invoice comes and they were like, yeah, sure. No problem. Because they had, I mean, this is something that they want to end on their end too. They want to get it done and wrapped up and shipped out. And so just coming back and being like, yeah, I can do that, but it's going to cost more. It's, it's a difficult thing to do sometimes, but I think important to do if it is like, you know, you, you thought this project was done and now they're coming back and asking for more. It's important to say that up front. Like, yes, I can help you, but it's going to cost an extra cost. Yeah. And I think you get more and more comfortable with that. Like the more and more years that you've been in business and the more and more clients that you've worked with. Like, I think that's one of the things with negotiation is that when you have less to lose, it's easier, Mm -hmm. right? Or like, I mean that in the sense of like, if you're, if a client says like, okay, like I don't want to pay, you're like, okay, next, next, right? Okay, next. When you're first starting out, there might not be a next in line, right? And that's when it feels like the negotiation is maybe live or die because you're like, I really want to win this project. And I think in those situations, if you feel that sort of desperation or whatever, because you want to get experience under your belt, there's nothing wrong with taking a lower rate than you'd really like. Like, I think you just have to be willing to really accept that and and not grow resentful and remind yourself like, well, you know, the, the cost that I'm missing out on is like, just like a, a payment for my education on this, right? Yeah. And, and you just steadily increase your rates over time. That's part of it too, is like, okay, maybe that project, you didn't get the rate you wanted, but for the next project, you'll charge a higher price point. And, you know, you, you just keep building upon the baseline that you have. And so it's, it's often a slow climb. Like I still vividly remember five, six years ago when I was like, man, I wish I was busier. Like, I wish I had more assignments because if I did, like I, I'd be earning closer to the goal of what I want to earn. I'd be happier. I wouldn't be like sitting around twiddling my thumbs. So yeah, like you said, there, sometimes there is a little bit of like desperation and you're like, oh, I'll just take anything that comes my way because I want to be busier. I want to earn more. I want to get to that place. And I feel like that too, sometimes can be a danger zone because then 
people can take advantage of you when they see that or when they hear your willingness to like jump at a project. So it is a little bit of a poker game sometimes to like in those conversations back and forth, really, really just remember to kind of keep your cards close to your chest, I guess, because another great example of this. We talked about how we're bad. Go ahead, yeah. Yeah, give you the example. So like my first job out of college, um, it was 2011. I was, we were still coming out of the housing crisis. Everybody was like, if you get a job offer, just take it because jobs are few and far to come between, come by these Mm -hmm. days. And so the first job offer I got, they gave me a super low ball number and I was like, oh my gosh, yes, I'll take it. And literally Mm -hmm. my boss said to me at the time, she was like, don't ever do that again. Don't ever, ever say yes to the first offer. You need to negotiate. And so she ended up giving me a raise a few months down the road. But yeah, I was so eager to take the project that I was just like, yes, of course. And it was a super low number. And she was like, no, that's not how this conversation was supposed to go. Right, right. No, but it's, it's like, it can be hard to remember when you're like in a position of desperation that like, I always tell clients too, when I send them a proposal, I'm like, this is the start of our conversation. Like see the proposal as a starting point. Cause the last thing I want to a client to feel like is they see my prices and they're like, oh my God, no. Right. Like I want them to at least feel like, even if it's not going to be a fit that we can talk about it and we could talk about why, or we could talk about what their budget is, or we could talk about how we might be able to work together in the future, even if it doesn't make sense right now. So I think that's like an important aspect of all of this. Yeah. And I, I do think it can be hard to keep your cards close to your chest when you're not super experienced with doing this, or even when you are like, I think one, one thing that I think we could wrap this up with is as I've grown in my business, I also think it's like hilarious when clients are like, aren't you desperate for this work? Like this could lead to a full-time job. Like, well, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I'm like, I, I sometimes realize that my clients have no idea like how busy I am and that like they would be getting slotted in, right? They're like, oh my gosh, you, you know, we can give you up to 30 hours a week. And I'm like, I don't have four hours a week for this project. Never mind 30, right? Like they're some of it is just that like the expectations from both parties, like they don't, they don't know. And and sometimes it's on us to educate them and say like, look, actually like I'm too busy, not, not busy enough. Right? Yeah. And they don't know that they, there's no way they could, you know, being on the outside. So that's a tricky thing because you don't want to say like, yeah, I'm super busy. And they'd be like, oh, well then you probably don't have enough time to do a good job for me. But you also right. don't want to be like, well, I'm not very busy. I can take this and start today. And they're like, oh, well, you don't have any waiting time. Like you don't have any projects that you're working on. Like that doesn't look well, good. It, it depends on the client because some clients are like, we'll take anyone who could do all the work right this second. Yeah. And there's some clients who are like, we want the very best and we're willing to wait for that. So like trying to feel out your client and feel where they are. I think like that's going back to my original comment though, is like, why does the client want to negotiate? Like, where are they? What do they want to get out of it? That's really important to kind of assess. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Freelance Writing Coach Podcast. If you want more tips, tricks, and resources for building your business, visit freelancewritingcoachpodcast.com. 